issue of integrity, of what it means to speak the truth, to live a life that in the outside world and in the inner being matches. You see, the Jewish people had got themselves into a right pickle at this stage. The Pharisees, they'd put loads and loads of extra laws upon the Jewish people. They had made deliberate rules and all sorts of confusing rules about when a man was bound by his word and when he was not. So for a Jewish person, if I swear by Jerusalem, I am bound by my word. But if I swear towards Jerusalem, I am not bound by my word. If I make any promise in the name of God, I am bound by my word. But if I make a promise without using God's name at all, I am not bound by my word. So they began to swear by anything that sounded like it might have some kind of authority with it. In fact, there was a whole Jewish book of their law code that dealt with making vows and promises, which ones you had to keep and which ones you didn't. How crazy is that? And of course, today in our culture, it's very very similar. When someone's really trying to persuade you that they are telling the truth, that they're speaking with integrity, they want you to believe it, they'll say all sorts of things like, cross my heart and hope to die, stick a needle in my eye, and then later on, have have my fingers crossed. Didn't count, have my fingers crossed. Don't know if you've got any kids, but they often do that whole fingers crossed thing. Then, uh, if I swear on a stack of Bibles, I am really meaning it. If I'm lying, I'm dying. Uh, As God is my witness. Or maybe somebody might say, may lightning strike me if I'm not telling the truth. We use all these kind of phrases, but we can do terrible damage to our witness for Christ when we are not people of our word. The world is looking for authenticity, isn't it? Maybe more than ever before, the world is looking for authenticity. And we as followers of Jesus and as as the church, his body in the world, it demands nothing less than we live lives of integrity. We must let our yes be yes and our no be no. There was once a wealthy businessman. He was laying on his deathbed and the vicar came to visit him, to pray over him, to read the Bible to him and to encourage him on his deathbed. He prayed for this parishioner and afterwards the man said, if God heals me, if I live, I'm going to give £100,000 to the church. Off the vicar goes and leaves the man at the hospital. Miraculously, the man gets better. He makes a full recovery. And the vicar bumps into this parishioner on the streets a couple of months later, walking down the street, jolly as can be. He says to him, hi, how are you doing? It's great to see you so well. Do you remember when I prayed for you, when you were in the hospital, and you said, if God heals me, if he makes me better, I'll give £100,000 to the church. We haven't seen it as of yet. The businessman replies, did I say that? Just goes to show how sick I really was. In our reading, Jesus says, let your yes be yes, and your no be no. And it goes on to say, anything beyond that comes from the evil one. You see, the evil one is Satan, and he is the master of lies. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. 
When Satan lies, he's just speaking his native language. A liar. The father of lies, the Bible calls him. And so we want to set ourselves apart as followers of Jesus by letting our yes be yes. And maybe the biggest yes we can say in our lives, which many of us have already made in this place, is a yes to Jesus. Have you said yes to Jesus? And if you have said yes to Jesus, what kind of a yes have you said? Is it a wishy-washy when things are going well? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, when it's all the sun is shining. Or is it a yes through the ups and downs of life, through each and every circumstance? I'm going to choose to follow Jesus, to remain firm and faithful in him. That amazing uh, story we heard at the beginning of the service of the lovely Christine Anthony. Yeah, remaining firm at peace with our Heavenly Father through all sorts of situations. So what is integrity? Would anybody like this £20 note this morning? Put your hands up if you fancy the £20 note. Yeah, okay, there's a few of you. Right. Right. Anybody now fancy the £20 note? Yeah! Cool, it worked. (laughs) So, the value of my £20 note, whether it's scrunched up, dirty, creased or whatever, is still the same. This is still worth £20. And in our lives as followers of Jesus, our values at the core of who we are should remain stable and firm because of what God has done for us. So whether we're going through an amazing time and we can easily say, God is good, God is good, he's provided, he's blessed me, or whether we're going through a really hard time and we can say, this is rubbish, my life is really tough, but I believe and trust that God is good That is a mark of integrity, being the same on the outside as the inside, remaining faithful to the end, no matter what the situation. A person who lives by integrity is validated by their words and their actions. The two need to meet. If we are pure in heart, then we can be pure in action. Integrity is making my daily actions line up with my heart's values. There's a chap called Mark Twain, and he said this, speaking honestly is better. It takes a lot of stress out of our lives. If you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. But if you don't tell the truth, you really do have to remember what you said. And we all know people like that, don't we? People who've started a lie and then they followed it up by a lie and then the lies have just continued and continued and you get so lost and they've no idea in the end what they said to who and what the truth really is. Integrity provides me with security, with greater confidence. Proverbs 10, 9 informs us. The person of integrity walks securely, but those who take crooked paths will be found out. So in a society without moral absolutes, anything goes. When people can choose what is right and what is wrong without having a standard by which to make those decisions, how do people decide which way to go? The Bible gives us loads of words that are like this word integrity, honesty, purity, Truth, upright, complete, they are all synonymous for this word integrity. 
And if we are going to live lives of integrity, we must know what integrity looks like. And that comes from spending time with God in the Bible. Here, Paul's words in Timothy, in 2 Timothy 2, 15, he says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a worker who does not need to be ashamed, handling accurately the word of truth. You see, if we take time to read and study and pray through the Bible, if we take that time, we can live lives of integrity. Why? Because the Bible shows us the way to go. The Bible is truth and it is unchanging. Obviously, there's some things in the Bible that we need to look at the context and the culture for which they were written, but the underlying truths of the Bible remain the same. The Bible truly is our basic instructions before leaving earth. This is a great tool for us when it comes to living lives of integrity. Walking in integrity means integrating all of what God's word says into our daily activities. It means that I become a doer of the word. There were once two brothers. They were very rich and very wicked. Both of them lived lives of great sinfulness and debauchery, and they often used their wealth to cover up what, a lot of their wickedness. They were both members of a local church, and they used their money in the church to gain positions of influence. The old vicar of the church had just retired, and so a new vicar had just arrived. And this vicar was a man who preached the gospel with zeal and with passion, and he lived an exemplary life. Because of this, the church began to grow, and they saw such rapid growth that they needed to build a new church building. At the same time of this, one of the brothers got sick and died. The new vicar was asked to do the funeral. So the day before the service, the surviving brother saddled up to the new vicar, handed him an envelope and said, there is a check in this envelope large enough for the whole of the new building. All I want you to do is to tell the people at the funeral tomorrow that my brother was a saint. Do you think you can handle that? He said. The vicar shook the brother's hands and said, I will do precisely what you have asked. The vicar immediately took the cheque along to the bank and deposited it into the church's account. The next day, the vicar stood up in front of the many people who had gathered for this man's funeral and said, this man in the coffin was an ungodly sinner. He was wicked to the core. He was unfaithful to his wife. He was abusive to his children. He was ruthless in business and a hypocrite in the church. But compared to his brother, he was a saint. <laughs> the fact of God's word is pretty clear. His instructions for each of us, if we do what God says and apply what we learn to our lives, we will be people of integrity. We will have hope and guidance and security in God. If we do not apply the word of God to our lives, we become shallow and empty. We are called to 
to have yes mean yes and no mean no. There's a brilliant Christian scholar many of you will have heard of named C.S. Lewis. And in his biography, he tells an amazing story of being uh, a soldier in World War I. And he has a buddy, the soldier, who's really very concerned about his wife and daughter and what will happen to them should this soldier get killed. So C.S. Lewis says to him, I will commit to looking after your wife and your daughter should the worst happen to you. And as the war dragged on, the man was killed. <coughs> so when C.S. Lewis got back from the war, true to his word, Lewis took care of this man's family. Yet no matter how helpful he tried to be, the woman was ungrateful, rude, arrogant, and domineering. Through it all, Lewis kept his promise to her. He kept to his friend, he kept forgiving her. He refused to let her actions become an excuse to renege on his promise. There was a chap who went to the dry cleaners, drop off some dry cleaning, as you do. He went in and gave the lady his pair of trousers and said, can I come back in an hour and pick these up? The chap, uh, the lady said, no, I can't get this done in an hour. You have to come back on Friday. That's the, the soonest I can do it. The man says, but... There's a huge sign on the front of the shop window which says, one hour downtown. I thought you did dry cleaning in an hour. No, she replied, that's just the name of the shop. As followers of Jesus, what name is on the shop of our lives? What is on the shop front of our lives? The name of Jesus. And we need to represent him inside our hearts, our lives, our attitudes, our actions, our words not just as a label on the front, Christian, which means nothing on the inside. We must live up to what we say we are. If we call ourselves Christians, we must do what Christ did in accordance to the word of God. Many people have proclaimed Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And for many of us, it's fantastic to think of God as being our Savior. We are saved we are forgiven, we are set free. But when it comes to making God our Lord, it's harder, isn't it? It's harder. Sometimes we struggle with giving every aspect of our lives over to God. Have you ever heard the phrase, everybody else is doing it? Everybody else is doing it. This is one of those poor rationalizations that we use to justify our actions. To be a person of integrity means that you are willing to go against the crowd, to even stand alone if the crowd is wrong. It means peer pressure is no pressure for you because your yes is great. As you know, I love a bit of a rhyme, and I often have have a rhyme in my sermons. And uh, today, I thought we'd bring a little illustration from the uh, Dr. Seuss's book, Horton Hatches an Egg. It tells the story of an elephant named Horton, who promises to sit on an egg and hatch it for its mother, Lazy Miss Maisie. As the days and weeks go by, Horton just keeps sitting there up on on the nest, up in a tree. All his friends keep saying, what are you doing, you plum, sitting up there in the tree? Come down and play with us. Just forget about it. Come and play with us. And you might remember 
Horton's response in this book and in many others. I meant what I said and I said what I meant. An elephant is faithful 100%. Maybe that could be the mark of us as followers of Jesus. We mean what we say and we say what we mean. A Christian is faithful 100%. And of course, none of us are perfect. Of course, we get it wrong. We muck up left, right and centre. But is our heart's desire, is our will aligned with God's that we want him to be our Lord? We want to be 100% faithful to him. What could God do with a believer or even more with a group of believers who had that kind of commitment to him? That type of integrity Jesus makes it clear in this passage that whenever we make a promise, we don't just make it to the person we're making that promise to, but we make it in the sight of God. When we break a promise, then we break a promise that has been made in the sight of God. Just as we finish this morning, it's amazing to look at the life of Jesus. If you don't yet know Jesus, if you haven't made a big yes to him yet in your life, then I encourage you to take a Bible and to start reading one of the Gospels, the story of Jesus, the accounts of Jesus. And Jesus faced a gut-wrenching choice of keeping a costly promise. God had been promising for thousands of years to send a Messiah, his son, to save the world through his death and resurrection. But when the moment of truth came in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus felt the weight of keeping his promise. In fact, we hear, we read about tears and of sweat that falls as blood. And he actually asked his father, please take this cup from me. Is there another way? Jesus knows what it is like to face the weight of a promise, of a commitment. But in that moment, when he realized that there was no other way, Jesus became the ultimate promise keeper. So let us follow his example. Let us be men and women of integrity. Let us decide to make Jesus Lord of every area of our lives. Surrender to the Holy Spirit this morning. Surrender. Let the Holy Spirit transform you into the image of Jesus, the image of the ultimate promise keeper, the image of Christian integrity. Let's stand. The band come up and I'm going to pray. Let's stand together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for how relevant your word is to our lives. And in our culture and context, when so many times people say things that they don't mean, they continually renege on their word, Lord. We thank you that your word speaks into that. And that as followers of you, you will equip us and anoint us and fill us with your Holy Spirit to enable us to let our yes be yes and our no be no. Lord, we want to be people of integrity. And so we ask, Lord, we know we can't do this on our own. We can't get it right on our own. But we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would flood this place right now with your presence. 
that you would be that little voice in our ears that convicts us, that reminds us in our day-to-day lives to let our yes be yes and to let our no be no. We pray, Heavenly Father, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would enable us to align our inner lives and our outer lives, that there would be integrity, that there would be a matching of what we're like on the surface and on the front, what other people see on the outside and what we're like on the inside in our hearts. And Lord, for some of us this morning, that means surrendering areas of our lives that we have not wanted to give to you. For some of us, that means getting right with you, apologizing for the things and the thoughts and the bitterness and the unforgiveness and whatever it is that we carry in our lives, Lord. We're sorry. Please forgive us. Help us to live lives of integrity. And Lord, we thank you that your grace is sufficient for each and every one of us, that your grace is enough, that time and time again, yes, we let you down. Yes, we let others down. But when we come to you and say we're sorry, that you bring forgiveness, that you bring hope, that you empower us again, you pull us up from the ground, back onto our feet to continue to run the race you are calling us to. And we pray this morning that you would commission us afresh to leave this place in the name of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit to live lives worthy of you.